What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 20 of season two. I'm your host, Kurt Field. And it is your boy, Semester Boy Bruno, Kurt. Not on today, but tomorrow for those who are out of the school world. Let me tell you, as someone's still in the school world, my semester starts tomorrow. So consider my brain turning back all the way up after being all the way off. But now we're going all the way back up. Wow. How about that, Bruno? Um, I don't miss the days of having to worry about when my semesters were starting and ending. I certainly don't miss that at all. So I, I, I empathize with you. Yeah. So obviously, you know, the professional side of me is like, I enjoy learning. I enjoy, you know, growing as a person. I enjoy, uh, doing our, doing our, uh, doing my thing in the school world. But you know, it, it's hard for me to really say that I, uh, absolutely love the days of waking up. You know, I have a class tomorrow at 8 a.m. That's a future Bruno problem. Oh, God. You're probably going <laughs> to stay up till 4 a.m. too if I know you. Oh, maybe five. Um, <laughs> you're a sociopath. Bruno, 20 episodes in Dude, season 20. two. 20. We can almost, this this podcast can almost legally drink, Kurt. Wow. You know, we'll have to celebrate next podcast. With oh, Kurt. yeah. Well, you, someone was celebrating a little uh, this past weekend, if you know what I mean. Uh, happy belated birthday to Kurt. If you tuned in uh, for the pick six, pick four, pick whatever this weekend, you heard it already, but Kurt, uh, it was Kurt's birthday this past weekend, so if you haven't already wished him a birthday, happy birthday, or belated birthday, do so now. You'll still get late credit. That's I'm a I'm a future doctor, so I can give you credit for that. So please do if you haven't done it already. Well, if you're really late and didn't wish Bruno a happy birthday from a couple weeks ago, then I'll <laughs> I'll give you late credit, but it's only going to be like twenty five percent. So yeah. okay, well credit to us. Credit to us for being good guys. Yep. Um. Wow, that is wild. Now that's thirty episodes since I started podcasting. Oof. I feel old. Damn, Kurt, that's kind of crazy. I mean, you just started it on your own from the ground up, and here we are. Here we are. Yeah, that first season was fun. I mean, interviewing different sorts of people, wide variety. Obviously, season two has been all NFL, all Patriot stuff all the time, which has been a blast. Um, but yeah, here we are. Look look at us. Here we are with only three football games left in the season. Nope, don't say that. Don't, <laughs> don't say that. I mean, I didn't want to say it, but I felt like it almost had to be said. Yeah, I. that's just... God damn it. Now I'm sad. I know. It, it's actually cra- it's crazy how fast I feel like the playoffs have gone. Like I remember like leading up I me- it doesn't feel that long ago that we were talking about like the playoff race, like who was going to make the playoffs and here we are with like three like what? How did we get here already? Yeah, dude, it makes no 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 sense. But no sense. just like much in the last calendar year not a whole lot has made sense. So <laughs> True. um True. we will uh I guess we'll get into it, Bruno, because it, right uh, it was divisional round this past weekend. So you were seeing eight games, eight of the best teams left in the NFL. I mean, four games, eight teams left in the in the uh, in the little race. Mm-hmm. There we're down to just four now, Bruno. But mm-hmm. in order for that to happen, okay, we have to look mm-hmm. back on the past. So let's start um, with the Saturday's first game: Rams at the Packers. Story of this game, obviously, Jared Goff was the starter for the Rams. Um, obviously, in the game before, he he had to be brought in early after, what was it, Wolford, Warford? Wolford, however you say it. The big wolf, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he obviously got injured and it wasn't healthy enough to start. It would have been very, very interesting if he was healthy enough to start. Who right. would have started this game? Right. Um, but let's not bury the lead here. The Packers come out on top in Lambeau, 32-18. to 18. Uh, just uh, the Packers proved to be too much. Just like I feel like we both expected. Oh, shout out to us four for four in the pick six this week. It's true. It's true. King. That's king shit, Bruno. Kings. Um, so yeah, 32-18 final score there. 
the Rams are what the Rams are, man. They, their offense is predictable, and when you go up against a, a potent opponent, potent opponent, say that. Precisely. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> um, you know, you're going to have your work cut out for you, and ultimately the Rams weren't up to the test this 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 particular week. And the Rams showed flashes this year, no doubt, of being being a team that we all expect to be there uh, late in the season. But they just it didn't feel. I don't know. It didn't feel like they had it all going on, I guess, per se. And, and the Aaron Donald injury proved to be costly. He only played like 20-something snaps in this game, obviously laboring. I feel like we're going to hear in the next couple of days he had like four broken ribs or something. Oh, yeah. Because in order for him to you know, not be on the field, something pretty major had to have went down. So um, Aaron Rodgers advances to a championship game. I feel like I don't, I don't have the stat in front of me, Bruno, but... I feel like he should. Aaron Rodgers should have been in more cha- NFC Championship games over the course of his career, but it's exciting now that he's there. Yeah, I agree with that. I think this is also they were talking about how it's the first time he'll ever host an NFC Championship game. I think he's made however many he's made, maybe like three or something, but he's never he never had it at Lambeau, so you know that'll be good for him. Um, but yeah, for this game, I mean, I think he, my takeaways were similar to everything you said, right? Like you and I both on the pick six were talking about how injuries. It was already going to be tough. For the Rams to beat the Packers regardless, but the injuries just made it almost impossible. Goff was very limited, though he did gut it out. But, you know, like you said, he was very limited. Would have been awesome. Blake Bortles led the Rams to victory. That would have been hilarious, but, you know, the, that was not meant to be. Obviously, like you said, Aaron Donald was limited. It's tough when, you know, arguably the best defensive player in the NFL. You could even argue, you know, just overall when he's limited, that's not good. On top of that, we both also had talked about, I don't know if it was confirmed, when we were doing the pick six, but Cooper Cup was in danger of missing the game at that time. He did miss the game. It feels like he's always injured. Like, I feel like always, whenever it's like a big game, Cooper Cup is always out. And for whatever reason, he just adds that extra element to their offense that like when it's not there, this isn't just something we learned from this game. We've seen it over the past like couple years that like when he's not there, their offense just for some reason is so much more limited. So that sucked for the Rams. And honestly, like you said, when you're playing a team like the Packers, who is playing some of their best ball right now, um, you you just can't have all these things like putting you at a disadvantage, and we just kind of saw it play out. Though I will say the game, like it, it never felt like the Packers weren't going to win, but it did kind of get closer than maybe like people thought. I mean, going into the fourth quarter it was what like twenty five to eighteen or something. Like it was it was kind of close, like heading late into the game. Again, I I don't know what how you felt. Like I never really was like the Rams are actually going to win this game, but it did kind of feel weird that like it almost was as close as it was. No, it 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 felt like it didn't really get away until like late in the third quarter. Um, it I know what you mean. I, I had that same feeling that the Packers were never running away with it until it was l- later in the game. What I will say this, Bruno, I have two main points. Yep, both of them have to do with the Packers. Number one, Packers defense I thought looked really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, again, take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because it's a severely severely limited Rams team that kind of went out there on, on offense. Mm-hmm. My second point is obviously we know about Aaron Rodgers. We know about how good of a quarterback he is and everything that he embodies. But what the Packers were able to do in this game was be incredibly balanced. So... If you look at like their overall offense, they almost had 500 yards total offense, which is good, really good. Rodgers almost threw for 300, and they almost ran for 200. So if you're able to do that, and you're able to control the line of scrimmage in the run game, and you're able to throw for almost 300 yards, like 
I really, honest to God, don't know how a team stops you. So I almost thought it was surprising they didn't put up more than 32 points. Um, but it's if the if the Packers are able to play that complementary style of of football when their defense is clicking and their offense can be that balanced where you don't know what's coming, they're going to be a huge problem, a huge, huge problem. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say this right now, Bruno. I think they have to be the favorite of the teams that are left. We'll we'll go we'll get into it, but like I don't know, they are they are firing on all cylinders right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously, we know things don't always go the way you might expect them to in the playoffs. But looking at both their team on paper plus what we've seen from them, I absolutely agree. On that offensive note, like you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that breakdown of rushing and, and passing is unbelievable, and it just makes it that much hard for their opponents to game plan. On speaking of a game plan, right? We heard all week coming into this game, oh, Jalen Ramsey versus Devontae Adams. We heard all week about how good Jalen Ramsey is. He is very good. I'm not going to say he's not very good. He is very good. If you took a look at some of the coverage stats he's had against some of the top receivers like DK Metcalf, uh, Stephon Diggs, like I forgot, it was like all the list of the receivers he's played. He had unbelievable numbers against a lot of those receivers. However, Devontae Adams, as Kurt knows from his fantasy team, is that dude. Monta Adams made an incredible impact. It did get a little chippy. Him and Jalen Ramsey were getting into a little bit, and there's a lot of reports after the game of Fonte Adams being like, hey, man, uh, you know, uh, we're here to give the fans a show, so try to guard me, but you can't. And, uh, well, it, it turns out that Devontae Adams got the better of him. I'm looking at the stats right now. Ten targets. Devontae Adams had nine catches, 66 yards, and a touchdown. He didn't lead the team in receptions. I think Alan Lazard had the most because he, he had one of those long... 50-yard touchdowns, but still, I mean, nine nine of 10 targets, like nine catches on 10 targets for 66 yards and a touchdown. I mean, Devonta Adams just proved the whole game that he is he is maybe just the best receiver. Yeah, I, Devonta Adams is a freak. He's a freak, but um, that's a good point, Bruno. And I was looking at, I remember thinking this during the game, and we talk a lot about how good the Pittsburgh Steelers are at identifying talent for wide receivers and then having it translate to the field. It's something the Patriots simply can't do. Um, they can't pick a receiver and have it fucking work. But watching this game with the Packers, um, Lazard, uh, I know Tanya's a, a, a tight end, but Valdez Scantling too. Like these were guys that were not high picks. They were lo- later round picks, and they're out there with Aaron Rodgers. And perhaps some of that is Aaron Rodgers. I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from him. But I just think they've done a really, really, really good job at incorporating what they have in finding that talent with these guys and LaFleur, their head coach, man, I don't think he, I don't think he gets enough credit because it's still his second year. And I think he, did they go to the championship game last year? Yeah. Yes. And they lost yeah. to San Francisco. Yes. Oh, right, right. Yep. 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 So he's taken them in two seasons to the NFC championship game. Now twice. That's yep. hard as a young coach. Oh yeah. So I don't know. Packers, they're hot right now. Um, the end of Sean McVay and the and the Rams this season, but Sean McVay was asked after the game, Bruno. And I saw this today. I didn't realize it until today. He did not guarantee Jared Goff not only would be the starter next year, that he would be on the roster next year. Oh, geez. So there there could be a little bit of movement going on there. I don't know. I don't know. That'd be wild. I didn't see that at all. So I mean, it's not like it's not it's not like it's not shocking from uh, just like seeing what golf has done and like evaluating kind of how the year went. It's just kind of like, I didn't see that. And now like hearing that, I mean like, damn, I mean, 
it's hard to really deny at this point. I mean, we've talked about their offensive weapons and their offensive struggles, and it's like, all right, let's try to zero in on what's going on. I mean, Sean McVay proven play caller. Their offense has proven parts on it. So what needs to change? I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's, I don't know. I still feel like, I know the Rams beat the Pats this year, but I still feel like really Belichick threw a, <laughs> threw a loop into what the Rams did. They sucked the year after the Super Bowl. They were okay last year. They were okay this year, but they haven't gotten back to that prolific offense that they were that year. Yeah, and it might have been, you know, McVay getting it a little bit in his head, like seeing how Belichick uh, broke down his system and he'd be like, oh, I need to do all these adjustments. It could have been a little of that for sure. I mean, we are not shy about uh, declaring how we think what the effects of that game are. If you've listened to this podcast before, you've probably heard it before. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. If I'm Sean McVay, I mean, you definitely got to weigh all the options and see, like, hey, what's... Uh, what, what do we need to do better uh, offensively? I think the o- only awkward part of that, Kurt, is like, I don't know if there's an option out there that's like significantly, or yeah. you can confidently say is better than Goff. Like maybe the ceiling could be, but like, I don't know if you could say like, this for sure will be better than Goff. Right. I, I am so intrigued to see what unfolds this offseason where all these different quarterbacks end up blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. Uh, two places where the quarterbacks are very firm. Mm. Uh Baltimore and Buffalo, okay? Mm. These two squared off up in Buffalo on Saturday night uh, in the divisional round. Now, if you look at the score, the Bills won 17-3. You might look at that on the surface and be like, damn, they smoked them. Mm-hmm. No, that's not how it went down, okay? No, no, no. This game, for a large majority, I'm going to call it what it is, Bruno. It was a boring game. Yeah. I, thought, I thought it was a very, very boring game. Yep. Um, just the w- the weather up in Buffalo was a little bit wacky too. It was cold and it was super, super, super windy. Mm-hmm. You, uh, I'll, I'll tell you the score. Buffalo wins seventeen to three. I told you that already. But Justin Tucker misses two field goals, hits the, hits the upright twice, doinks it. Okay, doink. doink. And uh, even with that being said, in the third quarter, it was ten to three. Yep. Buffalo. With the Ravens in the red zone inside like the 10 yard line. Yep. And it was about to be 10 to 10. It was about to be 10 10. <laughs> and then Lamar Jackson threw a 101 yard pick six and it's 17 to 3. And that was the last score of the game. So on the surface, like, damn, Buffalo 17 3. It's like, yeah, but it should have been 10 10. And if you really look at it, it should have been 16 10 Baltimore. At that point, because Justin Tucker had missed two field goals that were like 35 yards. So chip shots for him. Yeah. And also during the game, Kurt, I hate when announcers do this. I hate, hate, hate when they do this. Every time the kicker is like walking onto the field or whatever, they're like, oh, yeah, Justin Tucker, automatic. He can't miss. Bro, stop saying that because we've seen so many times that that always is the jinx. Like, I don't know what I don't know what these announcers think is going to happen. Maybe they do it for the entertainment or for the viral clips, whatever. I'm staying woke on that, but it was crazy. Justin Tucker, if you've ever if you've ever played fantasy football in the last like 10 years, you know that Justin Tucker is always the Mr. Dependable kicker you can always count on. It seems like um, in recent weeks, I think he had either it was in the Maybe they're against the Titans. He missed a field goal too, which like again, like it's hard to be perfect. So I'm critiquing like perfection, right? But yeah, that was crazy to see him miss two kicks. Kurt also on the other side, the Buffalo kicker, I forget his name. He missed two kicks. He Bass, was one for three yeah. on field goals. Yeah, so like all around, not a great kicking game. 
But as you said, I think if you didn't watch the game, right, and you just saw the score, you saw 17 to 3, you'd be like, wow, the uh, Baltimore or um, Buffalo defense shut them down. Bills couldn't do, uh, the ball, the Ravens couldn't do anything, uh, blow up from the Bills. But like, it really felt like this game could have gone either way. And like, you nailed it. That pick six going, picking the ball in the end zone. Here's another point that I heard people saying. I'm sorry to switch all of a sudden, but you made me think of this. Picking a ball in the end zone, I feel like you always see that the defender's tendency is to go down. Credit, credit to him for not going down in the end zone because yeah. he ran it back 100 yards for a touchdown. Yeah, that was wild. That obviously, obviously the turning point in the game. If you look at the stats, too, if you're a statistics fan, you look at the stats, Baltimore should have won the game. Okay, You look at their passing attack, Baltimore threw for like 220 yards and they ran for 150 okay so 220 150 bruno we're not math guys okay that's that's what 370 nailed it yeah woohoo but (laughs) buffalo bruno only threw for 200 yards and ran for 32 yeah so i mean I'm glad Buffalo won. We hate the Ravens. We have no problem talking about how much we hate the Ravens. But they're going to uh, a place. You'll see, uh, and and we'll break it down next, but uh, a place next week in the AFC Championship where if they don't rush for more than 32 yards, they're going to lose the game. Yeah, Kurt, and I I, I wish I had pulled up. I saw a tweet about it. I wish I had pulled it up. I'm pretty sure they only ran the ball like three times in the whole first half. Like, for whatever the reason was, like, again, I think Zach Moss on the Bills uh, is ruled out, so that was part of it. But they still had Devin Singletary, but for whatever reason, they weren't calling it, they weren't running it, they weren't doing it well. That was kind of crazy just to see pass after pass. And we just talked with the Packers, right? Recipe for success, being able to do both of those things and both of them well, right? It's not like the Bills, we, you know, we saw in the last four weeks of the regular season that clearly they can put up points period, like they're capable of doing it. But as you said, the, the more the playoffs go on, the less likely it is you're going to keep succeeding if you finish the game rushing 16 times for 32 yards. That that doesn't seem like it's going to be able to cut it. Yes, you might have got away with it against the Ravens, but you know, even though the Ravens put up yards, like you said, we still were kind of talking about even after they beat the Titans, how they were still kind of offensively challenged. I don't think any of the teams left in the playoffs, and I'm not going to spoil it, we're going to get to it, none of the teams left in the playoffs are offensively challenged. So Correct. it's going to be very interesting to see for the Bills. Like, they're they're lucky their defense is playing well. You know, they've kind of gritted through these first two games that they've won. But if they want to win any more, they're going to have to step it up. Yeah, and I, I like Buffalo, and I think their offense has been high-powered and prolific this season. But, um, you know, it just... I understand your faith in Josh Allen, and I he's warranted that faith. But like you said, three rushes in the first half, you can't be so one-dimensional. If you're, and I know Brian Dabble, who's the offensive coordinator, has gotten so much praise this offseason, or this season rather. But if, you, if you're not more balanced, you're going to have a really hard time next week. But regardless, Bruno, Buffalo won the game. They're on to the AFC Championship game. Which is like, if you had told me that two years ago, I would have laughed in your face. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's crazy how far they've come in a short amount of time. Because Josh Allen didn't look good. McDermott was, you know, a pretty new head coach. But he's it's very, very clear that he's got them, them boys playing really, really hard for him. Everyone seems to have bought in. The Stephon Diggs-Josh Allen connection is one of the top in the league. Uh, tops of the league. Obviously, you know, you have uh, you have Rodgers and Devontae Adams. You have... Um, 
what is it kyle kyler murray and uh deandre hopkins, hopkins. Yep. but like you think of some of these the other connections josh allen and stefan diggs have earned the earned the right for you to put that name to the top because they've been unbelievable this season yeah and on top of that kurt like the aaron Rodgers, Devonta adams connection or patrick mahomes and anyone on the chiefs connection those have had the luxury of having multiple years and and much more time to come together people forget Diggs was ar arrived via trade this past offseason this is their first year together and they're doing all of this literally in their first year together it's crazy how good they are in a, like i literally just said two seconds ago and in a short amount of time yeah whatever the bills paid for stefan diggs was was so worth it it's not even funny because he he came around he changed things and i i don't mean to put a patriots flair on things but i'm going to mm. I, that's something like that needs to happen for the patriots oh yeah obviously you need to find a quarterback that's that's priority number one but priority number one b is to find a playmaker to bring in oh, yeah. that's alan robinson Chris Godwin, even though he can't catch a fucking cold right now. Yeah. Um, just, you need a playmaker like that. Even Kenny Galladay, but he's hurt a lot. So just, yeah. you need a playmaker or two to pair with a, a good quarterback, and we might have some good things going up in New England. But I like the sound of that. Yes, me too. But Bruno Buffalo is in our division, and right now they're, they're the Kings. So, got to take, take the King off the hill first. Okay. So, um, speaking of Kings. Ooh. Speaking of Kings. Ooh. ooh. The king of the NFL right now, the Kansas City Chiefs, the yeah. Super Bowl 54 champs, they yeah. hosted the Browns yesterday. Okay, we're recording this on Monday, by the way. A little bit, oh, yeah. a little bit new, um, but this game was a little bit, a little bit wacky. Very exciting game, uh, one of the more exciting games of the weekend. But um, the Chiefs end up winning this one 17 but there are a lot of different storylines you can get to in this one, Bruno. Oh, yeah. Obviously, first and foremost, okay, in the third quarter, Patrick Mahomes has to leave the game. Mm -hmm. So he got like – he was scrambling, and he got tackled from behind kind of or from the side, and he – it didn't look like that bad of a hit. It was completely legal hit, nothing dirty, nothing – he didn't even get hit that hard. It's just he fell like on the – the like crown of his head and when he stood up i mean he had no idea what yeah. what state he was in he didn't know what he didn't know what, what was going on like it was yeah. very very evident um and uh but then he all of a sudden he's running to the locker room i'm like should he be running right now and yeah. i thought for sure he'd come back into the game he right. did not come back into the game which meant chad henney uh, your boy <laughs> chad henney started his first game uh in week 17 this year since 2013, he had not started a game in almost eight seasons. <laughs> Crazy. And now he's from for a quarter and a half. He has to hold off the Browns to go back to the AFC championship game. And he was able to do so. Bruno will get into it. Yeah. But this game came down to a, a, a whole bunch of different things, Bruno. But we'll get into them. But I want to know your opinion. Do you think this was more about the Browns losing the game or the Chiefs winning the game? Because the argument definitely can be made for both. Yeah, that's a good question because <clears throat> I think I think you can I, you can definitely make the argument for both. I hate to be this guy though. I think it's kind of more about the Browns losing this game. And like, uh, there's a lot. We're gonna get into it, but there's a bunch of things you can point to. Kevin Savancy, great coach. Maybe he's gonna win Coach of the Year. Didn't have his greatest game uh, coaching this game. And you can point to several things. The clock management in the second half, the challenge that he did um, that was, you know, unsuccessful. 
figuring out end of the game decisions. There's a lot of stuff that went on that in the second half that like it felt like the Browns should have done more. I mean, just taking a look at the score, right? Like you said, Patrick Holmes went out in the third quarter. Chiefs only scored three points the whole second half. Like three, the whole second half. And like for a Chiefs team, that's almost unheard of, right? So the fact of the matter is it was there for the taking. Then you get into like the end of the game. The Browns ended up punting with like four minutes left. And like, yes, it wasn't the, you know, it wasn't like it was a fourth and one. I forget the actual yardage, but was, still. Like, I think it was fourth and five, but still. Right. It's like you're down five. Um, you're playing the Chiefs. You're playing the Chiefs, right. So like that was a questionable decision in itself. Yes, it's easy to second guess after the fact. But and even still, I, I don't mean to cover every single topic at once, but on the final drive, Chad Henney, your boy, it was like a third and like 18. He, they, all the Browns have to do is get one stop on that play, force a punt, and maybe get the the, uh, the ball back with a chance to win the game. They let him scramble for like 17 yards, leading to a fourth and one, and then obviously everyone, what everyone's talking about, the Chiefs with the gutsy fourth and one call that they end up converting and winning the game. But still, it just felt like the Browns had so many chances at, in the second half to like make some make some noise, get some things going. Like if a couple of those things had gone the other way, it could have been a different story. But yeah, I just, it sucks if you're a Browns fan because, like, you could definitely look at this game and be like, legitimately, we could have won this game. Legitimately, they should have won this game. I'll go out on a limb and say that. I'm not scared to say that. I just thought that was, like you mentioned, it's a fancy, great young head coach. He's going to be phenomenal for a long time. But this game really showed some, I don't know. It showed that he wasn't ready yet, I guess. Like you said, the time management was terrible. The decision to punt was very questionable. Um, I'm not blaming the challenge on him, but because I'm sure someone up, upstairs in the bear told him. But Fair. you know, you got to have the wherewithal as a head coach to be like, I if I'm going to throw this challenge flag, you better be damn sure we're going to yep. win it. And it wasn't yep. it wasn't close. Like it wasn't close. It was Tyree Kill making a good catch, and that's something we've been very accustomed to seeing. And it's not yep. like the Chiefs went no huddle either. Like they took their time. They gave the Browns time to look at the play. Oh, yeah. So just I didn't like that, and I like you mentioned third and eighteen, you dropped a quarters coverage, and you let Chad Henney scramble for seventeen yards. <laughs> Chad Henney, he's thirty eight <laughs> years old. My God, it just it was bad. But I want to flip this around too because I think, okay. like I said, the argument can be made okay. that the Chiefs won the game. So your star Patrick Mahomes goes out, right? Okay, I, Obviously, the, the face of the NFL, the face of your franchise, he, he is what makes you go, okay? But Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator, and Andy Reid, the head coach, I don't know which calls plays exactly. I think it's Andy Reid, but I'm not, I'm not positive. Um, it's just they never, they never altered. Like, they didn't alter their plan because Chad Henney went in at quarterback. They stayed aggressive almost to, almost to a fault because uh, – they went deep to Tyree Kill at one point, and Chad Henney overthrew him by 38 yards, and <laughs> the ball was intercepted in the end zone. But like I was like, okay, like at least they're not running the ball in every play, and they're not right. whatever. Uh, I don't know Chad Henney's stats. Let's see. They were he was six of eight for 66 yards and interception. So obviously not fantastic. But game on the line, he was out there throwing the ball to obviously Tyree Kill and, and Travis Kelsey are nice pieces to have, but. It's not like they ran the ball every play. Like right. they, they trusted Chad Henney to be out there and go win the game. Right. And then, like you mentioned, Bruno, after Chad Henney scrambles for 17 yards on third and 18, it's fourth and one. 
And I think the ball was like at like 38, 39 yard line. So you would have gave the Browns a short field. They still would have had to go uh, some distance for a touchdown, but a relatively short field, I guess you can mm-hmm. say. And uh, Tony Romo had an aneurysm on TV. I don't know oh, if you yeah. it. But oh, oh yeah, God, he's so fucking annoying. He, was, he declared the game over before the fourth down play. Oh yeah, he said like, Chad Henne got a first down. He didn't get a first down, and then he was like, "They can't go for this. They're gonna try oh, to draw him off sides." And then they snapped the ball, and <laughs> and Tony Romo's com- he combusted on national television. But it was funny. Fourth and one, right? Everyone in the stadium thinks you're gonna draw him off sides. Think you're gonna try to draw him off sides. Well, Kansas City runs a play. Okay, fourth and one, right? They're gonna run the ball. No. Andy Reid and his big old balls yep. go out there. He rolls Chad Henney out of the pocket and throws a pass to Tyreek Hill to win the game. So on fourth and one, with a chance to clinch the game, you're going to roll out your old backup quarterback who started one game since 2013, and you're going to trust him to make a throw to get you to the AFC Championship game. I mean, like, they just they, – I you talk a lot about in the NFL – playing to win the game and playing not to lose the game. Andy Reid was playing to win the game. He wasn't playing not to lose. Okay, he was like, I, this is what we do, and we do it very well. And he went out and they accomplished just that. And now for the third straight season, the Kansas City Chiefs will be hosting the AFC Championship game. Yeah, and like you said, uh, no matter what I, I or anyone said previously about the Browns, again, those were legitimate points, but you can't deny what happened at the end of the game was the Chiefs just going out and winning it. Like, you just can't deny the, that sequence of plays. Henny, like, you know, whether it's confidence in himself or confidence inspired, like you said, by the coaching staff believing he can run the same offense as Mahomes or from his teammates, that decision to run, like, I feel like what happens with a lot of times with quarterbacks is they might have an opportunity to run, but they wait too long to make the decision and then they kind of lose their chance. And by the time they see the hole, the defenders are recovering and it doesn't go well. Henny basically, like after me, I don't know how long it was, but like it seemed like he evaluated it and very quickly was like, I'm running this shit. Like it didn't seem like there was any hesitation. And like, that's all credit to him. And like, you know, you could argue maybe the spot was a little whatever. I mean, I guess his elbow was down, but like he, it almost felt like that could have been a first down in itself that being the case it wasn't and then to go out and again it's fourth and one game is on the line it's the playoffs you're up by five points and like you've already thrown an interception this game i feel like that's it's almost understated how impressive it was for him just to calmly do that fourth and one play get everybody on the same page and just an absolutely perfect pass like yes it wasn't like 30 yards down the field but like again like you said rolling out and a pass like to the right to a really really fast tyree kill like he executed that perfectly so credit to honey credit to uh, the Chiefs for you know going out and saying we're gonna win this game. We're not gonna play passive. We're gonna directly just do the shit and get this over with. If you're if we're taking a look ahead, you know to to next week, right? Because we've gone over the AFC game, so it's it's Chiefs hosting the Bills in the AFC Championship game. If you're thinking about the game, right? You have to take. Or sorry, let me back up. If if Mahomes is out, we don't know for sure what's gonna happen. If Mahomes is out, you have to at least look at how Henny handled the end of this game and say, I don't think you can guarantee it bills victory maybe the odds might be shifted obviously if if mahomes is out but you like i think you have to be somewhat confident if you're a chiefs fan or on the chiefs that with the confidence that henny got from being able to successfully finish the game out and get the win that like all is not lost heading into the afc championship game could be a different story in a potential super bowl but at least for right now you know as they tweeted after the game hashtag anything is possible Anything is possible. So good one for the Chiefs. And like you mentioned, Bruno, I just saw this before we popped on the podcast. I told you this already. 
but mm -hmm. obviously Patrick Mahomes did not return to the game. Everybody thought he was concussed based on the way that he he got up so wobbly and so on and so forth. Um, reports out of Kansas City after the game is that it's not a concussion. He's in mm. concussion protocol, but mm. it's a quote. A source said Patrick passed all of his tests last night. He didn't actually hit his head. There was a nerve in his neck that got tweaked slash pinched, and that made him out of it. He's getting testing done on his neck and nerve today, but he did clear all tests last night. So, obviously, we don't know exactly what that means, but there's a chance that, I don't know, in my opinion, a nerve being pinched. You you made a good point, Bruno, off, off air about um, Peyton Manning having the, the pinched nerve, which caused like 10 surgeries and... Uh, for him to take HGH that no one talks about. Yeah, people um, forget that. Uh, people forget he took steroids. Yeah, but no one talked <laughs> about that. Um, <clears throat> but it's, I don't know, it w remains to be monitored. But I, if I were a betting man, which I'm really not, I would put a lot of money that Patrick Mahomes does play this week. Yeah, and Kurt, on top of that, I've already seen a lot of people saying Goodell would postpone the game if Mahomes can't play, which honestly, with the way that he's been rolling with a dictatorial, biased, bullshit way of running the league, I wouldn't put it past him to do that. No, me either. What a fucking squid. What a squid. <laughs> um, but one, real quick, too, just before we wrap yep. this up, the, this game, the the Browns obviously took a huge step forward this year, so congratulations. To them. <laughs> all season long, we were all waiting for them to falter because... I mean, we're so used to seeing them falter, but they mm -hmm. didn't this season. They lost Odell Beckham Jr., their best wide receiver, about halfway through the year. And Baker played really, really well down the stretch. Stefanski obviously did a great job coaching. The defense took huge strides. So all in all, very impressive season for the Browns, and they have a lot to be proud of moving forward. Um, that does bring us to the final game of the weekend, Bruno. The oh. game that I was waiting for, that you were waiting for, mm -hmm. that everyone in the country was waiting for, Oh, yeah. Brady, Drew Brees, round three this year. Buccaneers mm -hmm. at the Saints. Could Tom Brady send Drew Brees to retirement? Does Drew Brees thump Brady for a third time this year and get back to an NFC Championship game? <gasps> no. Brady won. Survey says? Survey says no. <laughs> 30 to 20. Yep. Um, where do I want to start? Where do I want to start? I know where I want to start. I want to start with the Saints. Okay. Yep. Um, number one, you score 20 points. But Drew Brees throws three interceptions, Yeesh. like three bad interceptions. And it should have been four. One was dropped. Yep. So three interceptions, but one was dropped. And my biggest takeaway in this entire game, if Drew Brees was struggling, and it was very, very evident Drew Brees was struggling in this game. And you have Alvin Kamara on your football team. And he's rushed 18 times for 85 yards, which is a pretty good average. Yep. Why did he not get the ball 18 more times? It comes down to it in the in the postseason. The game was 20 to 20 in the fourth quarter. It's not yeah. like you couldn't have run the football. Yeah. Give the ball to your best player and let yeah. let him see what he can do. Because Drew Brees, non-factor in this game, and quite literally, even more of a non-factor, Michael Thomas, yep. the number one receiver for the Saints, who's been so yep. good the last couple of years didn't have a reception in this game crazy four targets no catches four targets no catches just i i said in the pick six at this game obviously the quarterbacks are going to get all the hype and deservedly so it's drew Brees and tom brady but the game was going to be decided by the defenses oh, and yeah. while the buccaneers defense last week against taylor henneke and the, and the washington football team did not look that good they turned it around in a big way against the saints don't get me wrong they still had the the 
the bucket the those quintessential buccaneer mistakes that are going to cost them a game down the road here um but they they were flying around the field they 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 the cornerbacks were fantastic they got after drew Brees, but just with i mean drew Brees wasn't sacked but he was pressured a lot they got home with four guys sometimes so a really impressive turnaround from the bucks defense i would say um but i almost felt bad because drew Brees just looked so bad in this game bruno yeah, he looked not good. And honestly, credit to us for kind of calling this. I think leading up to the game, there were one camp of people was like, the Saints have already beat him twice this year. The second game was like 45 to three. The Saints have their number. They're going to dominate offensive juggernaut. And then there was you and I who were saying, oh, oh, not so fast. The Bucks have evolved and looked better over the course of the season. The Saints have only looked worse. And Drew Brees, since coming back from injury, really hasn't been playing that well. I mean, he's he was already, you know, like, he, obviously he's old. I'm, that's not uh, offensive. That's just a fact. So is Tom Brady. But Brees obviously has been showing a lot more signs of age than Brady has been. And that's been a fact, right? So, Kurt, I'm also not going to lie to you. It kind of also sucks that, uh, that Jameis Winston came in for the Saints throws one pass 56 yard touchdown on I, this wasn't me who identified this but what people were saying was like that same play the bears ran that didn't work after trubisky threw the dime to mims or whatever and mims dropped it this is the same play and it worked uh james winston finishes the game with a, a 158.3 passer rating uh because of that that pass and what sucks is that because this was rumored you know jake laser fox sports reported before the game that he, he like was officially reporting that Drew Brees is going to retire. What sucks is that even though you had Jameis with that beautiful play and maybe, you know, spending all year preparing for this moment, there's no way they could have gone to Jameis in Drew Brees' final game. But from purely an X's and O's standpoint, Kurt, you, you could have even made the argument that they should have. Like, if you were just talking about best chances to win the game. You absolutely could have, Bruno. And it's, it's pretty telling that, I don't know, like, obviously Taysom Hill was out in this game who had been a big right. part of the Saints victories right. over the Buccaneers this year but the fact that like uh Sean Payton was willing to put in Jameis Winston at some <laughs> point in this game is just like I, I don't think that's a discredit to Drew Brees he was only in for one play but like Sean Payton is really good at what he does he's yep. really good at what he does um and I I don't know exactly what was said obviously because I'm not in that conversation but it was interesting like the little conversation Breeze was having with Winston at the very end of the game, once the game was like pretty much over, done deal, where he was like pointing at him and saying, It's your team now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, I can't believe if that's the end of Drew Breeze, which every indication is that it's the end of Drew Breeze's career, yep. that like he only ends with one Super Bowl, you know? Dude, it feels like it should be so much more. And yes, well documented about the Saints' heartbreaking playoff losses. I wouldn't put this in the same category as like the Minnesota Miracle, you know, some of those other bad ones. But this is still pretty heartbreaking. I'm not going to lie. Like hosting the Bucks, Tom Brady's first year there, you know, that you'd already beaten them twice this year. You know, you had all this momentum going for you. And like also like on a personal level, right? Like Drew Brees, we'll get into some of the stuff after we finish the game that happened after the game. Some nice uh, video came out after the game of some stuff I'm sure we'll get into after the X's and O's. But I'm sure on a personal level for Drew Brees, you don't want to go out, you know, like in someone who's going to be compared to you when we talk about this era of football, you don't want to go out losing a game at home in the playoffs to like the number one, I, I hate to say rival because it's not like they hate each other, but just like the number one rival in terms of like yards, completions, records, points, wins, accomplishments. Like that's not 
the last game you want to play in the NFL. But like, as we said, very well, very well could have been. Oh, very, very well could have been. I just, I don't know. I was very happy for Tom Brady flipping the Bucks a little bit. But at the same time, like Drew Brees has always been one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL. Yep. So, to, so to see it end like that was kind of tough because I've said it plenty of times on this podcast, but Drew Brees is what everybody wants Tom Brady to be. What everyone says Tom Brady's 43 years old yep. and he, he can't throw the deep ball anymore and he can't do this, this, and this. Drew Brees literally can't throw the deep ball anymore. He, his accuracy takes a dip. It's he threw for 134 yards in this game. It's just like uh, that's Cam Newton shit. That's Cam Newton. Yeah. That's Cam Newton shit. Yeah. So I mean, uh, Tom, on the flip side though, Tom Brady didn't light up the scoreboard either. But the Saints, the Saints defense is is potent. So um, I, I don't know. Brady 18 of 33 for 199. He did have a couple more drops, but he also had some balls that should have been picked off too. So yeah. Um, uh, this game was kind of a defensive struggle for a, for a little bit. And then the turning point in this game, I thought, came relatively early. It was the the pick almost six for uh, New Orleans. They were up six to three, and then it became 10 to six bucks, and they kind of didn't really look back from there. Yep. It was 20 to 20 in the fourth quarter, but Tom Brady in the fourth quarter, man, you're asking for trouble if you're, if you're giving that man a chance. You're asking for trouble. There were some stats that I saw, Bruno, that I need to just I need yep. to, I need to read out loud to you. Okay. Read them. So, Tom Brady in his career now, as Julian Edelman so eloquently pointed out, and had to make me feel things again. Tom <laughs> Brady is fourteen and two in his career in the divisional round. Uh, excuse me. What? Fourteen <laughs> and two in the divisional round in the playoffs. So this man's been to fourteen. 13 championship games, obviously 13 AFC championships, now one for one, making it to NFC championship games. But here, here are some of these stats, Bruno, okay? They're, and, and let me just prepare you as the listener. These stats are ludicrous. Luda. Okay. Great. Like, it, they make no sense. Great. I'm so ready for you to read them to me because I, I need to hear them again. Tom Brady has now beaten 18 different teams in the playoffs. 18 <laughs> different teams. I'm just laughing. I'm just laughing. Playoffs. Okay, that's stat number one. Stat number two. Playoff wins versus NFC opponents. Drew Brees in his career has eight wins against NFC opponents. Tom Brady also has eight wins <laughs> against NFC opponents in playoffs. <laughs> he has two this year at the Bucs, and he had six in the Super Bowls with the Patriots. So that's absurd. That's absurd. Absurd. Stat number three. Oh, my God. Playoff game-winning drives. So not wins in the playoffs. Game-winning drives for Tom Brady in the, in the playoffs. 13. He has 11 career playoff losses. So he's won more games with game-winning drives than he has lost games in the postseason. Bananas. It, it makes no sense. And... Do you have more stats? Well, for or was my, that... my last one. Okay, got it, got it. Tom Brady has 32 career playoff wins now. The next closest quarterback in NFL history has 16. So he's doubled it. That's, that's yeah. Yeah. I mean, you say all you have, but those are all ludicrous. I have two things to add. Number one, I saw another stat. Tom Brady by himself has more playoff wins than 
all but five NFL franchises, one of them being the Patriots, who he literally like won all those games for. And we had won like maybe four or five games without him in like our earlier years. So that's crazy. Like by him, he's almost an NFL franchise by himself. And then on the other hand, Kurt, someone else made this point too. 14 to 2 in the divisional round. That's a full season against literally playoff teams. Like there are teams that go 14 and 2, but they play like, you know, a bunch of teams under 500 or a bunch of teams that don't win the playoffs. That's a full season against literally like high caliber playoff teams. To go 14 and 2 is bananas. I didn't think of it like that, but that that literally is a full season. <laughs> it's crazy. It makes no sense. That... And and he you said he has he and Drew Brees have the same amount of wins against NFC opponents. Well, Kurt, he has a chance to surpass Drew Brees yet again on another record uh, next week against the Packers. So, sheesh. I, you can't you can't look at those stats and just not, like, laugh. Like, it's it doesn't make... Those almost don't make sense. Luckily for us, they do because we're, you know, we had him on the Patriots for all those years, but it's those stats are crazy. That That's... It's, it's stupid. It's stupid. It's stupid. But, I don't know. I... Watching this game and watching Brady advanced to an nfc championship it like i it makes me excited for tom because i get i just love watching tom brady play football and i don't discredit him for leaving it was the correct decision for tom brady to leave it just makes me sit there and think like what if like kind of like when michael jordan left the bulls it's yep. like what like what if they had one more run in them and it's like seeing how happy he looks like he's always smiling they showed like a close-up of him hugging alex like running to alex guerrero and hugging him and i'm like is that really the man who caused a rift between belichick and brady like alex guerrero and like just like <sighs> sometimes things just seem so petty and it's like in the moment but like looking back and i'm like how is this what how is this what we what we've got what we come to i the buccaneers uniforms i actually like them but it makes me sick every time i see him in one. Oh yeah and kurt you were in your feelings last night if you follow kurt on instagram kurt was reposting tom brady uh, videos and 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 edelman uh posts and stuff like that kurt went down a, a a whole last night of memories that kurt i i almost reached out and was like kurt i'm here for you but i was like you know what i better just leave him alone in his grieving process i don't want to assume kurt wants to talk to anyone right now but kurt you were you were experiencing all the emotions last night. i was having a tough time I was having a tough time. I, um, yeah, I don't know. I went down a rabbit hole. I watched all of Tom Brady's hype videos before he yep. posts. Also, I was a little bit underwhelmed with this one. This yeah. one was not as good as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe he, maybe he's just that dude, and he's like, we're saving our best stuff for the championship and Super Bowl. Maybe that, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, because he just knows he's going to get there. Oh, yeah. I, um, <laughs> I still think, and I was just talking about this with my cousin Austin over the weekend. Tom Brady's hype video before we lost to the Titans last year in the wild card round was the best hype video I've ever seen. And it was mm -hmm. the one where he was calling them the Jekylls. And the, hy oh, yeah. and the hyenas. Oh, yeah. And he's like, and sometimes the lion has to wake up and then tear the shit out of all the other animals. <laughs> and the Patriots just went on to get beat. But, like, yeah. if, if if you're bored, scroll down Tom Brady's Instagram page and just look yep. at that one again because that gave me all the goosebumps. I also read the Patriots statement that he or the statement that he released yep. thanking the Patriots fans like four times. And then I watched a video of him leave, like, his thank you to Pat's Nation. Yep. And I posted it to my story and had a rough time. And then I read my book about the Patriots yep. and had a rough time. I was in mourning. 
again. Yep. It's like it's yep. like the 18th time I've been mourning top breaking. <laughs> but obviously oh. Bucks win. Um, but like you mentioned, Bruno, very very wholesome, very very pure moment at the end of the game. Uh, Drew Brees is out on the field in the Superdome with his family, his little boys, his his daughter. Um, they're out there just kind of like one last time, just soaking it up, just having some fun on the field. And uh, Brady came out of the the Bucks locker room, and I, from what the video looked like, they chatted for a while uh, yeah. out on the field. And then it ends with uh, you know Brady dapping up Brees, and then one of Brees' sons giving Tom a football. Brady throws it in the end zone. Also, that was a dime. I don't know. It was an absolute. I'm glad you said that. It was an absolute dime. He that his son was being covered by I think his other yeah. son. It was perfect placement in the in the top right like, corner. Of the end zone. It couldn't have been. <laughs> I was like, of course, of course, perfectly placed ball. Um, just quintessential Brady things. But just Brady just seems like such a good dude. And I know it ended badly. I guess in New England, but like, it just seems so pure and so wholesome. And I was like, that's a man that I. I have so lucky that I got to root for for so long. Um, I don't know. What were your thoughts about it? No, I mean, that that video was absolutely amazing. I, I will say it kind of feels a little emasculating if you're Breeze because it's like you just got beat by a guy who's like unequivocally better than you. I don't know if you saw this before the game, but they were like, oh, yeah, in this matchup between Breeze and Brady combined, they have seven Super Bowls and 11 champions or 11 appearances. And it was like uh, six and 10 are for Brady. <laughs> so or whatever the yeah. actual no, I forget this breakdown, yeah. but yeah, that was kind of funny. But it just felt a little emasculating for Breeze. Like Brady's out here, and then Breeze's son is like, "Hey Tom, can you throw me a touchdown pass?" Like, I there was a little part of that, but at the, but at the same time, that's just me being you know reading a little into it. I think you nailed it pretty perfectly. The, the respect there between the both is off the charts. I, you know, I'm sure they've been acquainted before. I don't think that was their first time meeting, so you know they 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 go way back. Obviously, they've been kind of similar ages and similar career lengths and stuff. So I'm sure they've you know they've talked before. But th that was just a, like you said, a really wholesome moment, and it's like. We don't always see that, right? Like that may happen. Maybe Tom Brady does that with other people. Maybe other quarterbacks do that. But I'm I'm really happy that video came out because it just made me smile. I was just smiling the whole time me watching too. that video. It was great. Me too. Um, really quick, we're gonna wrap up here in a minute, but we'll we'll briefly, briefly um go over the championship games. So next Sunday, twenty-fourth, the first game at three oh five, Bucks head to the frozen tundra. They go to Lambeau, they take on the Packers. Uh Packers are three and a half point favorites as of right now. Uh, and then the later game is a 640 game. Bills at the Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs are three-point favorites. So real quick, Bruno, I think for me, or for anybody, you're getting four really, really, really good quarterbacks, um, assuming Chad Henney's not starting for the Chiefs. <laughs> but you have the old guns. You got yep. Tom Brady at Aaron Rodgers. The, the Literally the quarterback thing we've wanted to see for so long Oh, season. Yeah. You're getting oh, it yeah. in the NFC Championship game. And then on the other side of things, the Bills and Chiefs, you have Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, two of the younger guys, the younger generation of the up-and-coming quarterbacks. Oh, I yeah. mean, Mahomes has already arrived, but you know you know what I mean, the younger generation. Yep. Um, so a quarterback uh, fan's dream this week. Mm -hmm. um, but what are your what real quick, what are your what are your some of your initial takeaways from from the matchups? So I'll start with our boy Tom Brady and and the, that game and the Packers game. I liked your retweet, Kurt. That you you know I like a lot of Kurt's retweets. I'm not gonna lie because Kurt's very deep into Patriots Twitter, and I somewhat am, but I always miss miss a lot. And Kurt, it helps me make up for whatever I miss. Someone was saying how the Tom Brady effect 
even on the defense in Tampa Bay, is absolutely clear. Their defense is playing unbelievable. And yes, like obviously they've been developing, they have good coaching, they have good players, all that good stuff is right. But it just seems so evident that what we were talking about before the season of the culture that Tom Brady is going to win to bring, the expectations he's going to bring, and like the tone he's going to set when he comes on the team, that impact can't be understated. And yes, the regular season was a roller coaster. It was up and down. They had some bad moments. They had some good moments. But like, it's clear that the team now has seen that they're able to get it done in the playoffs in these first two games, especially this game against the Saints, against a team that had beaten them twice already. That confidence and that like just the expectations and the culture that starts from Tom Brady and him coming out and already backing up without a doubt, making the right decision of being like, I can lead you guys to success. He's already gotten them to the NFC Championship game, game number one. That like impact that he has on the rest of the team in terms of confidence cannot be understated. So you could look at this Bucks packers game and on paper be like exactly what you said. The Packers are playing unbelievable. They have all the stats. They have all the stuff. But it's really hard to quantify how good the Bucs as a team are feeling. And like, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it wouldn't shock me if the Bucs win this game. Like, it would just simply would not shock me if that happened. Yeah, it wouldn't either. The Bucs, don't forget, these two teams have played once this, this year already. And the Buccaneers absolutely whooped the Packers. Um, yeah. So, I mean, in this game, obviously different. It's going to be in Lambeau. It's going to be freezing apparently in like the the low 20s uh with wind and all that good stuff so i i don't know that that, that this is the game i think every nfl fan has been waiting for this season oh, yeah. so that'll be great and then obviously can the buffalo bills who have been so hot this year um can they knock off the chiefs can they take down the champs and what was so crazy is Buffalo should have won 12 straight games going to this game. They obviously lost that Hail Mary to the Cardinals. Yep. But you take yep. that away, they would have won 12 straight. So like they are screeching hot. And as we've mentioned, the Chiefs, obviously they've now played their last six games, including the one that they played last week or yesterday. Um, they've played one score game the last six weeks, the last six games. So they're I'm not saying they're beatable, but they're they're proving that teams can be in games with them. So I mean, I don't know, just two, I don't think you could really ask for two better matchups. Yeah, and just really quickly about the Bills, the one thing that's got me perplexed about trying to analyze this game, they have not looked like the Bills we saw in the regular season, for the most part, in the playoffs. Like, they have not, these past two playoff games, the Bills have not been the 56 points against the Dolphins, or whatever they were putting up in the regular season. Yes, the Ravens' defense is unbelievable, right? But only scoring 10 offensive points yesterday against the Ravens, like... I'm kind of, I guess, like, it. you're right. Everything changes if it's Mahomes or Henny starting. So, like, but theoretically, in a world where Mahomes is starting, starting, running the ball three times in one half and only scoring 10 offensive points is not going to get it done against the Chiefs. You can even make the case that that's not going to get it done against Chad Henny and the Chiefs. Like, you could say that, too. So, I, part of me is, like, you know, if Patrick Mahomes is playing, it's the Chiefs game to lose. But on the other hand, it's, like, if the Bills, like, maybe we just haven't seen the bills in their true form yet if they if they can come out and rediscover some of that josh allen magic where he's throwing like four to five touchdowns a game and doing all this crazy stuff they'll have a chance so i'm really interested to see that game like there's so many va variables in that game both these games here you put it you put it greatly both these games are super exciting and i'm very very excited yeah we had two electric matchups to see go who gets to go play oh one last thing too if the bucks win this game they play the super bowl in their home stadium Oh, yeah. Which, that's another thing. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy. So, um, I don't know. Bruno, I, well, I'm excited. I know you're excited. Every NFL fan should be excited. 
But uh, it's going to be great, and we will break it all down, the matchups even more in the pick six. Um, we'll do it probably on uh, Sunday, I'm guessing, because they're both games yep. are on Sunday. So yeah. um, I don't know. That's all I got for this pod, Bruno. Yeah, that's that's all I got. Um, for those who have been following, uh, I'm still, Kurt pointed out right before we were recording today, that I'm still technically alive in the pick six. If I think the last three games, Kurt has to go 0-3 and, and I have to go 3-0 and with the inflated points from that we've been doing with that increase every week from picking correct matchups. I think it's four for a victory this week and five for the Super Bowl. So some people are saying there's still a chance. Some people are saying, you know, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. So tune in Sunday, like Kurt said, to see what we're both breaking down for uh, the conference championship games. Some people are saying Kurt's going to pick first both times just to give me a, a shot at uh, doing what I do best in terms of uh, uh, mudding the waters. Can confirm I will be picking first both times. <laughs> so thank you, Kurt, for being gracious in that. Don't forget, uh, um, singing the playing the field song is the punishment for who it finishes last in pick six. So you have that to look forward to. But anyways, you know, feel free to send in your thoughts. Hopefully you all enjoyed this weekend as as. Uh, as much as we did again wish Kurt a happy belated birthday if you haven't done so already stay tuned for pick six on Sunday and we will see you next time on playing the feed later guys 